Hello, I'm Scott Sajnik. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And the we is just you and me. Michael Barr is playing hooky again this week, somewhere in London, I believe. Eben and I will be taking you through our top stories today without Mr. Barr. And Eben, let's start with this man. First of all, I'm really proud of the way our team competed tonight. Um, these guys went on battle for 60 minutes. That semi-mumble, of course, is New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. He's talking to the media after the team's lost to Kansas City last weekend. And now he and the Pats are facing fresh allegations of cheating. Yeah, to catch people up who have missed it, Last weekend, uh, when the, the the Browns were playing the, the Bengals in Cleveland, the Bengals are playing the, the Patriots next week. Uh, the Patriots have an advanced scout at that game, scouting the Bengals. As all teams do. There was a three-person video crew with the advanced scout <laughs> filming from the press box, and uh, they took footage of the Bengals' sideline from the press Lengthy box, which footage. is a, a big no-no when it comes to NFL rules. Uh, the Bengals found out about it. They confiscated the tape. They gave it to the NFL. And now we are here in another situation with the Patriots. It feels like deja vu where there is this did they, did they not break the rules? They're acknowledging to inadvertently they something know. Bill happening. Belichick knows every minute rule that affects the on-field game plan and oftentimes uses it to his advantage. However, they seem not to really understand all the rest of the rules of the NFL, what you can and cannot do. And let's just say that the Patriots released a statement saying that this is part of a content a documentary a, a series, program. do your job. They do your yeah. job, so they follow different people doing their jobs, and this happened to be the week of the advanced scout. But... Yeah, I mean, I think the big question here, what's on the tape, right? And 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 I think the NFL should be able to look at all the footage they took and determine whether, oh, they are actually filming this advanced scout doing his job, or something a little bit more nefarious that, that would bring let's use a some, fairly harsh punishment, I would imagine. Let's use some industry lingo. Exactly how much B-roll <laughs> of the sideline would you need to put in this doc about the scout, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. if this is 10, 15 minutes of the Bengals sideline of players going in and out and hand signals, there's a problem. And the reason the Patriots, you know, I don't think are getting the benefit of the doubt from anyone publicly except maybe fans up in New England. Obviously, you know, we went through Deflategate a couple years ago, back in 2007, Spygate, Spygate when it turned yes. out that the Patriots were, were filming the sideline of a of a Patriot of a Packers Jets game. They ended up being fined five hundred thousand uh, dollars, which was a bit more money back then, obviously, and they lost a first round draft pick. So certainly there is a chance if this ends up being as nefarious as a lot of people think it is, uh, that there could be some harsh punishment here for the, Patriots. the good? Do you need to take the side? Uh, the, the Patriots Bengals? are decided. Uh, the Bengals are, are definitely not good. Uh, it's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one. I mean, it, part of what when I when I read these stories made me think of the Astros. I think for two reasons. One, talk about losing the benefit of the doubt. I would believe pretty much anything about the Astros right now, just because of uh, of what's happened there over the past couple couple months. Uh, but two, it also kind of feels like the same argument around using electronics to sign steel in baseball. Right. Yeah. You're allowed to have an advanced scout at an NFL game. To watch the other team's sideline, to to, to watch yeah, what they're doing they're in a game, exactly what you're. But you're not allowed to use a camera to get what the advanced scout is allowed to see with his eyes. It seems as though there, there's it's this weird kind of mix between what's allowed and what isn't. It seems to hinge on what piece of technology is being used there. But the fact remains, the rule is the rule. You got to know the rule. You got to follow the rule. And you know the Patriots said we told the Browns, but we didn't tell the Bengals. Yep. Seems and didn't old. tell the NFL. Didn't tell the NFL. Anyway. Yep. Anyway. And you kind of maybe teased a later topic at Garrett Cole because you said Astros. But mm. first, 
we're going to talk about something else. Yep. We're talking about uh, Alibaba co-founder Joe Tai. Uh, most people know him as the uh, owner of the Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he just invested in esports. He's the latest you know, billionaire sports owner to, to buy a stake in an esports franchise. Uh, and it's G2, you know, the, the, the team based in Berlin. We had their co-founder, Carlos Rodriguez. El, El Ocelote. Ocelote. Uh, he was on the podcast about like a year ago. Yeah, he was. Um, but, you know, $10 million investment from Joe Tai values the club at around $100 million. But what I liked about El Ocelote, it was all about what traditional sports can learn from esports. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Brooklyn Nets and Liberty um, start being one of the first to really utilize what's being done in esports in their other franchises. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for a while, specifically in the content creation and social media. Esports teams do so much better than traditional sports teams. Um, And you're right, Carlos and and his team are are on the high end of that, even within esports. So yes, I would imagine, you know, Joe's a a savvy guy. I would imagine he he thought of this as something that can help his other assets, right? You mentioned the Liberty, the Nets. He owns an NLL team. He's an investor in... Uh, LAFC, uh, the MLS team, is an investor in Paul Rabel's lacrosse league as well. Uh, certainly some things that are going to flow to those assets from G2. And I think the opposite, obviously, also true. G2 has two major initiatives right now. One, to expand in the U.S., opening an office in New York. Obviously, that works very well with being a partner with the Brooklyn Nets. And number two, growing their presence in China. And Joe Tai, Gee, I wonder who if Joe was could help there. born in Taiwan and, you know, as we talked about a couple months ago, uh, kind of became the NBA owner who was most willing to stand up for mainland China during the Daryl Morey situation. Um, they certainly see a partner there that can help them grow their presence in the world's largest country as well. All right, quickly, just give me some numbers. He put up how much? 10 mil? $10 million. Valuation, valuation the, the around $100 million. Yeah. All right, so esports growing, $100 million. What's the reaction? Yeah, to yeah that? it's funny. The the a, a lot of people... I think we'll look at that $100 million number and think that it's low. low. Um, and that's because, you know, because of this massive investor land grab we're seeing in esports right now, the valuations are so high. It's kind of mythical. There's not a lot of information. Nothing is disclosed about a lot of those things. And there are teams out there that are raising right now on 300 and even $400 million valuations. Uh, so G2, undoubtedly one of the most valuable esports franchises in the world, but might be a little bit of a heat check in terms of the valuations that are being bandied about right now. Another unintended, un- Underscore segue. You said 300, 400 million. <laughs> Yankees doling out $324 million to one pitcher, Garrett Cole. Here is Cole's agent, Scott Boris, talking about the negotiations from the MLB winter meetings just yesterday. You know, Garrett is one of the most coveted major league free agents I've ever uh, been involved with in my experience. And so it's been a, a really uh, well thought out process by all the teams and uh, and I think it's something that's given Garrett uh, some very valued choices going forward. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> if I'm an agent like Scott Boris yeah. and I can... I wish I was an agent like Scott yeah, If Boris, I can handpick some teams I want bidding for the one guy I'd want... Of course you want the Yankees in on the bidding. Of course you want the Dodgers in on the bidding. I was going to throw the Cubs in there too. They were not. But the Angels were in Artie Moreno. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why the price was driven up to three hundred and twenty-four million bucks so, so over nine years. So interesting. Yeah, the m- one of my thoughts in the in the past week because we talked about this on Monday, how it just kind of seemed like this was going to happen that the Yankees were going to get their guy. Uh, it felt almost like ten years ago, Yankees, right? Where 
Free agency starts. The most this expensive, was, expensive was, guy is this guy. This was George Steinbrenner, not yeah, Hal Steinbrenner. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it felt like. That we know the guy we want. We're going to offer whatever money. And you know, uh, three days ago we were talking about Steven Strasburg money, right? Two fifty. Flash forward three days, suddenly it's it's three twenty five, right? A, a massive, massive jump. And now let's talk about. By the way, you mentioned Strasburg, also represented by. Scott Boris, and he's also got Rendon. Yeah. He's got Ryu. This guy could do, no exaggeration, he could do a billion dollars of contracts oh, I this offseason alone. He's going to be way above that, Amazing. right? I mean, Strasburg, 250. Uh, Garrett Cole, 324. He had Rendon's going to be was a 64 <laughs> oh, million. Yeah. So he's already at he's already at $850 million in those three contracts alone right now. And this is a All crazy right, way, way statistic. Way to make me look stupid. Thank you, Evan. This is a crazy statistic. Um, I saw this in SI. Oh, this is unfair. <laughs> this is going to be the most interesting thing you hear today. Uh, Ten years ago, the entire free agent class oh, boy. signed for a total of $847 million. And, com- and Scott Boris's three clients have already eclipsed right. that. Remember the complaints already. last year? Nobody's signing. It's late. <laughs> There's collusion. There's okay. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it, I'm very interested to see how these signings. You know, as you said last year, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado sat unsigned until late February, right? And everybody was like, "What is going on here?" Um, the big names are are signing much earlier. Zach Wheeler, Steven Strasburg, uh, Garrett Cole, obviously, uh, they're signing earlier now. The question is, does that kind of trickle down to other? Athletes, right? You know, we're we're a couple years, I think, away from the collective bargaining agreement expiring. Um, everyone has seemed to be saying it's going to be an ugly one, but it's a question. Maybe free agency is thawing a little bit from where it was, you know, the last couple of years. I would spend all the money if I was a GM in baseball. I mean, the Rendones of the world—they're great, you know—and and Harper and but. You cannot have enough pitching. I don't know how many times you can say guys get hurt. You can't have enough. You get a top-flight front-line ace on the market, and the Yankees have tried. They drafted. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole. Yeah, he went back to UCLA. Back in 2008, they tried to uh, trade for him with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They wouldn't throw enough in to make it happen. So we got another shot. The Yankees got another shot. And if money is no object, if your entire business is, is based on this is the premier brand in sports, and you must win, and your ratings points on yes go up, and you're going to start this streaming service, you can sign more people up. You better get some winning teams. You better win the World Series. Then it makes total sense to break whatever record necessary to bring that top guy Absolutely. in. To your point, last year the Yankees, they hit 305 home runs, which if the Twins hadn't hit 306 would be a major league record. They scored more runs than anybody else in the league, uh, and they couldn't pitch very well, Simple. and, and they, they didn't do that if well. If they right? had Garrett Cole last season, they'd probably team. win the World Series. I think that's a fair assessment. A, 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 yeah, because obviously you're taking them away from, you know, from They had a Houston. historically great offense, yeah. and it did not get them very far. You saw, with, with the Houston model, you had the two front-line starters with mm-hmm. Verlander and, and Cole. Then you saw it go to work with Strasburg and say, Scherzer yeah. mm-hmm. with the Nationals. Which is why the Nationals opened the checkbook to keep to keep Strasburg. I right. think they understood the, the, the magic mix that they had to get that World Series title. Oh, magic mix. That's what we have right here. Sorry, Michael. That alliteration. Bob. Yes. This <laughs> is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I am Scott Soshnick, along with Edmund Novi-Williams. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We're speaking with Zeon Armstrong, president of Adidas North America. Cool accent on that guy. You are listening (laughs) to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, online, wherever you get your podcasts.